Hello there. Welcome to Factor Fiction. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here today with another fun Fiblet episode where I read you four intriguing news stories from the past. Well, three of them are from the past. One is my own creation. And it's your job to determine if the stories are fact or fiction. So, ready to play? Before I read each story, I will include its citation information. Of course, the story I concocted has a fictional citation. After I read the four articles, I'll pause to share an advertisement from the era to give you a little time to make your guess. Then I'll come clean. Alrighty, let the games begin. Choice number one. Couple Ruined by Burglar. From the Chicago Tribune, February 5th, 1905 page 28. Different but still more satisfactory was the experience of Mr. Hodson, a small fruiterer who retired from his trade and went to live near Chicago five years ago. Both he and his wife bitterly distrusted banks, and most of his worldly goods were kept in the house. One night a thief paid him a visit, and he awoke in the morning to find himself all but penniless. $10,000 in government bonds, which he had kept in a box under his bed, had been taken though he had counted them, as was his custom, before turning in. As government bonds passed current just as bank notes do, there was no possibility of recovering them unless the thief was caught. But there was no trace of a clue and all efforts failed. The old couple, though both over 60, managed to get together enough to start a little fruiterer shop in Chicago and begin life over afresh in their old age. They struggled on for four years when a registered packet appeared one morning, and when opened, it disclosed a wad of banknotes of the value of $12,000. Imagining the notes to be either false or stolen, the fruiterer took them to the police. On that same day came a letter which stated that the sender, having robbed them of all they had four years earlier, had later on taken to an honest living and prospered. He had only lately discovered with pain what straits the old couple had been brought to and he begged to return the sum he had stolen, together with four years' interest at 4%. Choice number two. Will Sue for False Arrest. From the Chicago Chronicle, July 24, 1895, page 2. Rose and Fanny Warrenberg and Lizzie Leach, young ladies of excellent reputations, were insulted on Saturday night by a young man on one of the downtown streets and complained to the police. The man was arrested, but the young ladies failed to appear in court yesterday to prosecute the case. Although the subpoena did not show that they had been summoned, an attachment was issued. This was 10 o'clock in the morning, and the whole day was allowed to pass without serving the attachment. At 2 o'clock this morning, the young ladies were arrested at their homes and forced to ride in the patrol wagon to the station where they remained during the night, the hour being so late that they could not get bail. Great indignation has been expressed today over the action of the police. The first subpoena was not served, and they did not know that they were expected to appear in court. Friends of the ladies have demanded the dismissal of the officer making the arrest, and suits against the city for false arrest will be instituted. Choice number three. 
out of hospital and into jail. The Inter Ocean, October 24th, 1892. John Schmidt, a German farmer from New Lenox, Illinois, is being held without bail after his release from the Cook County Hospital, where he had been treated for injuries sustained from a bullet at the Empire Hotel. Schmidt was found bleeding and unconscious next to the lifeless body of his wife, Mrs. Lucille Schmidt, on the morning of Saturday, May 24th, by the hotel staff. The weapon found at the scene was a 44 revolver that had been fired a total of three times, twice into the body of Mrs. Schmidt and once into the neck of her husband. Police suspect that given the position of the gun in the two bodies, that Schmidt shot his wife and then attempted to take his own life, but he passed out before he could finish the job. Schmidt had once owned a prosperous farm, but had recently fallen on hard times and had grown so poor he couldn't pay for help to harvest his crops last year. Neighbors, who told police that Mrs. Schmidt had left her husband and children less than a month ago, claimed the Schmidts had always been a quarrelsome couple, and they were not surprised at the tragedy. Choice number four. Small Boys Play Detectives From the Chicago Tribune, August 27, 1901, page 1. Martin Colton and George Dawson, eight-year-old boys who live at 240 and 244 Superior Street, assisted in the arrest of John Cunningham yesterday afternoon. Their prisoner is charged with assaulting William Cleary of 190 Dearborn Avenue. When Cleary went to lunch at noon, Cunningham was sitting in front of his residence, and Mrs. Cleary complained that he had been bothering her. Cleary ordered him away. On his way back to the store, Cleary, it is said, was assaulted by the man who carried a broomstick with a coil of wire wrapped around the end. He struck Cleary on the head, it is charged, and then fled, but not before he was seen by the boys. You watch him, George, and I'll get the police, ordered Martin, and he ran to the station. Patrol Sergeant Michael Sullivan was sitting in front of the station. There's a man killed another man over here, said the boy. Hurry up and come with me. George has got him. The Dawson boy pointed out Cunningham, and Sullivan took him to the station. They located Cleary in a physician's office, and he identified the prisoner. Well, folks, those are your choices. Consider them while we pause for a word from Aaron's Beef, Iron, and Wine with Phosphates from the July 15th, 1888 issue of the Chicago Tribune. Healthy digestion, a clear complexion, bright eyes, a round form, an elastic step, and last but not least, a happy state of mind is the dearest wish of dyspeptics and the debilitated generally. No other tonic so well calculated to bring about these results as Aaron's Beef Iron and Wine with Phosphates, the most successful tonic of the age. It promptly invigorates the brain and nervous system. It is a superior liver and kidney remedy, as well as a blood purifier. It cures rheumatism and malaria. Thousands sing its praises. Beware of imitations. No other preparation of similar name possesses the same medicinal qualities. Wholesale and retail. Aaron's Drugstore, Madison Street, corner of 5th Avenue in Chicago. Welcome back. I sure wish medicine today could do everything it did back in 1888. How come we don't have a medicine that promotes healthy digestion, a clear complexion, and bright eyes. (laughs) Well, I hope you had time to make your choice. Was it couple ruined by burglar? Will sue for false arrest? Out of hospital and into jail? Or 
Small Boys Play Detectives. Drum roll, please. And the fictional article is Out of Hospital and Into Jail. I took the plot of this one from one of my favorite Kenny Rogers songs, Lucille. And if you're familiar with the song's lyrics, Lucille picked a fine time to leave him with four hungry children and a crop in the field. Just like Lucille Schmidt left the fictional John Schmidt. Thanks for playing. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to Factor Fiction Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Your support helps keep the show going. I'll be back next week with another full-length episode. Until then, listen carefully because it is tricky to know what's fact or fiction. Goodbye.